You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. So we had a week off, and I took Monday off this week to catch up a little bit, but it's nice to release some content to communicate with the church family. I hope that you find this episode of the podcast useful. I hope that you had a fantastic week last week for Thanksgiving, that you had some rest and enjoyed a week of gratitude. But as we shift our gears towards Advent season and celebrate the anticipated return of Jesus by remembering the birth of Jesus, let's just shift our gears. So on Sunday, I preached about hope. I preached from Matthew chapter 12, and Matthew quoted Isaiah. Well, I want to follow up from Sunday's sermon with kind of a I guess an adventure with a couple of biblical texts, right? There was one thing that I didn't put in the sermon because I didn't really feel like I had time for everything. But I think this sheds an interesting light on the hope for the Messiah. So when we talk about hope at the Advent season, we're not just talking about what we called little hope. We're talking about big hope, a hope of an age fixed, of new creation, of God healing everything in Jesus, of us living as new creation in this age, but ultimately of you and I being able to enjoy new creation for eternity in the age to come because of Messiah Jesus. Well, one of the last people to be waiting for the coming of the Jewish Messiah was John the Baptist. You know, John was a forerunner of Jesus. He was a cousin of Jesus. He has a very significant role in the biblical accounts of Christ's ministry with his baptisms, with his pronouncement that Jesus was the Messiah. But also there's this passage that is right before what we read on Sunday where John is imprisoned and he sends disciples to ask Jesus, hey, are you the Messiah? And I just want to use this text to think about the reality that sometimes hope hurts. Hope is not always happy. So let's take a look at this passage. We read from Matthew chapter 12, where Matthew quoted Isaiah 42. So Matthew's gospel and Isaiah 42 are going to be relevant as I read Matthew chapter 11. So this happens before what I read on Sunday. I'll read this in chapter 11, starting in verse 1. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? This is a powerful question, right? I mean, think about it. John the Baptist was the one that sent the first disciples towards Jesus. In the Gospel of John, not written by the Baptist, but in the Gospel of John, John the Apostle tells us that John the Baptist 
was pointing his disciples toward Jesus, saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the first disciples of Jesus came out of John the Baptizer's following of disciples. So Jesus inherited some of John's disciples, literally, where John says, I must become less, he must become greater. That's because John is sending disciples to Jesus. I think that's beautiful and fantastic. So John clearly recognized who Jesus was on the day of his baptism, clearly knew who Christ was as he pointed people to Jesus. And even powerfully, John's beheading was a symbolic precursor to the death of Jesus, that those who serve God the way that John and Jesus did, these leaders in what I like to call the kingdom of heaven movement, they both died at the hands of the local political authorities at the time, the, the Roman Empire or you know King Herod. So both John and Jesus have this powerful connection, and John has this great confidence in Jesus. But here we find John in prison probably in a prison near the Dead Sea called Macaras, where tradition holds that he was eventually beheaded. So it's very likely that John is not going to escape from this prison, and he knows it. You can read in the gospel accounts about the, the death of John, about how and why he was beheaded. It was a tragedy, a moment where unjust power ran over humility and righteousness like a bulldozer. It's a tragic story. But in this moment, John is still alive, but he sends disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And there's been a great deal made about that question from John. Is John at a moment where he's lost his faith? I think that's putting way too much pressure on this statement. Is John simply curious? Maybe it's that John knows that he won't escape prison and he just wants confirmation. Because maybe even for John, it was hard to conceive that the Messiah would die on a cross just the way John was about to be beheaded, that he would be a martyr who earned redemption and launched the new creation in the kingdom. For whatever reason, John is legitimately in prison. Does he still have hope in Jesus as Messiah? I say he does. Because he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask for authoritative confirmation. Not to go question and study, but directly to ask Jesus for his own voice, are you the one we're waiting for? And I want to read the response that Jesus gave in verse 4 of Matthew 11. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. So the answer of Jesus is pretty simple. He's just asking the disciples of the baptizer to look around, to inspect the ministry of Jesus, go back to John at Machaerus and report on what they are witnessing. And he knows that if they stick around a minute, they're going to witness all kinds of miracles. They have and they are, and I'm sure they did. So verse 5, the blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And then Jesus goes on after the disciples leave, and he praises John the Baptist. 
So Jesus hasn't abandoned John, and I don't think John ever abandoned Jesus. But he did send his disciples to ask Jesus what's going on. Now, I thought this was really interesting because uh, because in this passage, Jesus accounts for all these miracles. Well, you and I, on Sunday morning, we read Isaiah chapter 42. And in Isaiah chapter 42, Matthew picks up a quote from Isaiah that talks about the humility and the gentleness of Jesus. But in the very same passage, if you go up a few verses into chapter 41, verse 27, God is speaking through Isaiah to say that I gave to Jerusalem a messenger of good news. And then if you go down a few verses in chapter 42 to a list of miraculous deeds in verse 7, God says to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Well, I wonder about this list of miraculous deeds that Jesus lists here, where he tells John's disciples, go tell John the baptizer all these things you're witnessing. The blind are receiving sight, the lame are walking, those lepers are cleansed, the deaf are hearing, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed. You get these kinds of lists of miracles in a few passages that anticipate Messiah. And frankly, this part of Matthew's gospel has several connections to the book of Isaiah, so I can't help but be curious if John the baptizer and Jesus wouldn't have been thinking about the book of Isaiah as they're having these kinds of conversations. I think the evidence of the text is that they would be because it keeps popping up in Matthew's gospel as if Matthew saw Jesus fulfilling these things. Well, this list of all these miraculous healings. They look to me like a mashup of some Isaiah passages. Well, one of them I just read to you in Isaiah 42. Another one I'll read from Isaiah 61. Also very familiar. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he, the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedoms for the captives, the release from darkness for the prisoners. So in Isaiah 61, Jesus claims those verses for himself in his sermon that he preached in the synagogue in Nazareth in Luke's gospel. So we know that Jesus and likely John the Baptist would have associated these kinds of miraculous passages with Jesus. So John is in prison. He has had hope in Messiah and his life was about to end in a beheading. And he just needed to know as he went to his death is Jesus, the one he's been preaching about, the one in whom his hopes are set, is he the one we're to expect? Well, the interesting thing to me about Isaiah 61 and about Isaiah 42, these two sample passages, both of them included the release of prisoners from captivity. And I wonder, as John sits in a prison, in captivity, if he wonders if Jesus will have him released before his death. Will the Messiah set him free? Or is it John's lot to die in captivity, to die with the hope of the Messiah burning in his soul, and to awake in a kingdom of God, enjoying an eternal reward that never materialized on this side of that age? Turns out that was John's story. John was beheaded in prison. John was not released from captivity, but he was set free because on John's death, he recognized that the Messiah in whom he placed his hope 
was the one on whom the new creation was built. The one who leads the kingdom of heaven. Why not I bring this passage? I think I bring this passage because sometimes the holiday season, and honestly, every day of life in general, can bring the bruises and hardships. Well, for a lot of us, as we hold on to the hope of Jesus, we can resonate with this idea that hope is not always happy. Sometimes hope is hard. Just because we hold full-bodied hope in Jesus in the age to come and in this life, it does not guarantee that our lives will be easy or pleasurable. Maybe for some of us, we'll walk in footsteps of John the Baptist or footsteps of Jesus, and there will be some suffering, some persecution in our lot. But that's the thing. Even in those environments, you cannot extinguish our hope in Jesus because it is secured in this age and in the age to come. See, hope is so much bigger than our current circumstances. In fact, isn't that why it's hope? It's always looking forward. And for us, it's looking so far forward, nobody can snatch it. Even if John is in prison or if you and I are bruised, We can hold on to our hope in Jesus. But I thought it would be good to have an honest podcast coming out of Sunday Sermon that right around the corner in the text, just one chapter before this one, there is the person who embodies hoping in Jesus more than anybody I know in the Bible, John the Baptist. And as he clings to that hope, it must be hard in a prison because hope doesn't always guarantee that times will be happy. But I just thought it was a great reminder And I know that when I see John the Baptist in the kingdom of heaven one day, he'll say it was so worth it, and I will too. Church family, thank you for putting your hope in Christ. Let's stay faithful to Jesus all the more as the day of his birth draws near. We don't know that Jesus was born in December. More likely, he was born in the spring or the fall. But as we remember it together on the 25th of December, it's an excellent day to gather our friends and our neighbors, our family and community, to worship the resurrected Christ. So, praise the Lord. I'll see you Sunday.